0: Hi, this is Dr. Ivan Meisner with b and and if you want to take control of your life, check out Bossed to Boss with my good friend, Miro Wieslow.
1: After years, years of networking, up and down, business, you know, you've done it all. But how, how is life now?
0: Oh, life is awesome. I, I love what I do. I'm now... You know, I've been doing BNI for 35 years. Uh, that's that's a long time. Uh, I'm no longer the CEO of the company. It's been mm-hmm. handed over to someone else to to run the company. Um, you know, so I no longer do the day-to-day management. But I have the best job in the world. I'm now the Colonel Sanders of BNI. <laughs> you know, I just I get, I do interviews. I write. I'm the spokesperson. Um, but it took time, Miro. You know, it 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 took a long time. Um, you know, I tell people I'm a 20 year overnight success. It, it took me 20 years before I really felt like I was um, financially and professionally successful.
1: Dr. Ivan Meissner, everybody, uh, founder of BNI, uh, which, which you probably might have heard of at some point or another as it's uh, across the entire, entire uh, worldwide now. 70 so, countries, yeah countries, uh, 9,000 different groups now?
0: 9,150 chapters, uh, but who's counting? Wow. I get, by the way, I get a daily report. I know the exact number of members we have every day.
1: What is the total members right today?
0: 260,142, I believe was yesterday's
1: number. And over what, $15 billion was generated through referrals? Yeah, so,
0: in, in the last- Running 12 months, um, it would be over 16 billion U.S. dollars worth of business for our members worldwide. Now, just so you know, that's uh, more than the gross domestic product for the country of Liechtenstein. It's a small country, I know, but yeah. that's, <laughs> it's pretty darn cool that we could be generating
1: um, No, that is yeah.
0: a bigger GDP than a small nation in the world. I'm looking for a bigger nation next year, but... but um,
1: that's. Hey, I still hey, think that's that's a, cool. it's a great. No, it's a great way to start, and and uh, you could practically call this like a little little country of its own, right? A
0: little bit, yeah.
1: And become everybody that wants to check out more. Check out IvanMeissner.com. That's I V A N Meisner M I S N E R.
0: Yeah, and that's my blog. I get a lot of free content up there, that, but BNI's uh, BNI dot com.
1: Yes. BNI.com, and, and uh, you know, before you kind of got to where you got there, you know, it said 20 years, uh, I'm sure there were some struggles, right? There was moments when you, you are a doctor, so you, you, you probably worked the nine-to-five or something like that, or uh, No, whatever. but, but
0: it's, it's a PhD. Um, so, I mean, I worked the nine-to-five thing before I started my own business, and I was also a professor. Uh, I taught for 16 years at a state university in California, uh, but I was a part-time professor, adjunct professor. Um, I did the PhD because it was personal reasons, not professional, more than anything.
1: And why the transition? You know, why did you leave that whole world, that whole? Well, I
0: actually started BNI before I started teaching. Um, I I taught along the way. I taught because I love teaching. Um, But I left employment because I worked for an idiot. And I mean, this husband-wife team, one of them in particular was a moron, and I just could not. I, I'll tell you the story.
1: No, let's hear it. Do you ever watch the TV series Twilight Zone? I've I've seen the clips and episodes. Yeah. Never was, yeah. So there was there was
0: one episode which ended up being in the movie as well, mm-hmm. where there was this little boy named Anthony, and Anthony had this to- town in hostage because he had the. The, uh, the, the ability of mind control and he could you know change matter and do things to people and so he would do horrible horrible things to people he'd he'd put he, he would you know dismember a person mentally and put their head on a jack-in-the-box and mm-hmm. he'd do these horrible things and everyone was afraid of him and so he would say something stupid or do something stupid and all the townspeople would go oh, it's a good thing you've done that, Anthony. It's a really good thing you've done that. Okay, so now I saw that years before this experience. I'm working at a company, and one of the owners' name was Sally. And Sally would do the craziest things, just insane. And I'm in a staff meeting. I'm the general manager of the place, new job, only been there a few weeks. And Sally said something that was absolutely ridiculous. And one of the employees actually said, it's a good thing you've done that, Sally. It's a really good thing you've done that. And I thought, oh my God, I'm in the twilight zone. This is the twilight zone. I got to quit. And I gave notice that week um, to leave because I I was just tired of dealing with um, people that didn't know how to run a business and that were mean and difficult and that's not what i needed in my life so that's that's how i started my own business
1: yeah and the beauty is like now you can make those decisions and whatever they are (laughs) you can look at them you know like you know that you're responsible for this yeah
0: and i and you know i i hold i hold her up as an example in my mind of what not to be (laughs) you know not what not to be and now don't get me wrong i had some bosses that were really good but um you know i left those companies because i for a number of reasons, but I've had good bosses, I've had bad bosses, but that was it for me. That was the last one. And, and I started my consulting business uh, after I left that company, which will remain unnamed.
1: No, and that's and a great way, because obviously you're pulling in, as long as you're learning from it, right? You're pulling in yeah. different experiences and what to do, what not to do. And, what to do, yeah. And, and you definitely went to school, you went to college. And how, how do you feel about that? Because this day and age, you know, there's constantly people are saying, go, don't go. You can start all this without it. Do you, do you regret any of it? And would you recommend doing it now?
0: So I would recommend doing it. Um, I mean, I think it depends on what, what you want to do. So I've got two out of my three children didn't finish college. Uh, and you know, I, it, the, the world has changed. It's different. I do recommend college, but I also understand that you, there are some things you can do without a degree. Mm-hmm. And and I'm talking about more than flipping hamburgers. Um, but I think, I think a college education doesn't teach you necessarily what to think, but how to think. When I'm working with a college educated individual mm-hmm. and I give them a task or a problem, I find that as a rule, this is this, it's not hundred percent, but as a rule, the person with the college degree or at least a college education of some type mm-hmm. uh, is better able to deal with complex intervening variables of a problem. And, and deal with it with far less management control than the person who doesn't have that kind of education. I've given a project to somebody with no college education and they're like what? I don't know where to start. Well how could you give this to me? And they just they've never dealt with having to complete a project without a, a lot of hand holding. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Give that same project to somebody with a good education and there are exceptions, I had one who worked for me who was a total exception to that. She would take any project and run with it. But she was the exception. And most people with, with the education will go, okay, all right, give me the parameters. What do you need it? When do you need it? How do you need it? If I have any problems, can I come back to you? Yeah, of course. And they just run with it. So I, I think there's, there's an advantage to some college education. And, I, and I'm a fan. I don't think you need a doctoral degree like I have. I did that more for personal reasons than professional reasons. My master's degree was much more applicable mm. in the real world than my doctoral degree.
1: And may I ask the personal reasons? There's yeah, sure. I don't mind.
0: So here it is. It's stupid. I, anyone we, watching love stupid. We love stupid. Okay. But so anyone watching this, don't get a doctoral degree for this reason. <laughs> you heard it here. Yeah. You heard it here on boss to boss. <laughs> totally personal. I was going to be a lawyer. I was accepted to law school. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And at the last minute, I changed my mind. And I didn't even completely know why other than I decided that that wasn't what I wanted to do. Now, I had told my parents for like eight or ten years that I was going to go to law school. Um, Everybody knew I was going to go to law school. And at the last minute, I changed my mind and I turned down the spot in law school. And after that, I thought, well, what now? What am I, I going to do? Well, I'll go for a master's degree in management. So I did that. I finished the master's degree. And, I, and here's, where this, here's the stupid part. I thought to myself, you know, I, I, I feel like I let myself down by not doing law school. But I didn't want to do law school. So I know I didn't let myself down, but I feel like I let myself down. So I'm going to do a doctoral degree. Just to prove it just to prove that if I wanted to do law school, I could have done law school, which is like the completely wrong reason. Now, you know, did it help me? Yes. Mm -hmm. Did I know it would help me? Yes. But that's not a good reason to get a doctoral degree. I don't think, for most people. But for me, it was to prove a point to myself that I was good enough to get a law degree if I wanted to get a law degree, because a doctoral degree is every bit as hard, if not harder, certainly longer. Than, than a uh, law
1: degree. So that's why I got the doctoral degree. <laughs> oh, I love it. Have you shared that before? Yeah, not, rarely. Very few people ask that question. Yeah, because I mean, it's interesting. I, I kind of come from that mentality too. I had to prove something. You know, I had to prove to myself, prove I'm capable, even though some of these extra things I did didn't really do too much more. And like, it's there on paper, but that's about it. I actually had a boss
0: when I, I hadn't started my company when I started my doctoral degree. I had a boss who said, what are you thinking? What, you're going to be unemployable. You know, you're going to be overeducated. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, I, I don't care. This is, this is for me, not for, not for anybody else, not for future employment. I didn't, I, I didn't care. I knew he was probably right, but of course, I didn't have a crystal ball that could see that I wasn't going to start my own business.
1: Yeah, which you would have made. But, um, uh, I didn't care. I, it was for me. Which, I mean, I'm sure it definitely helped because now it just puts credibility behind. It uh, does.
0: Almost. Yeah. The, you know, the doctoral degree, especially in writing, uh, is helpful. And I loved teaching. I loved teaching at university. I had to quit, though, because
1: um, I traveled too much. So it wasn't fair to the students. And the traveling, is, is it still to this day as much as it has been?
0: Well, it's not as bad as it used to be, but I'm on the road. Um, you know, I'm probably doing 20 to 24 trips a year. I'll, I'll hit seven countries this year. Um, I've been to six in the last three months.
1: And has it been tough with, with the children? I know they're growing up now, but.
0: They are, yeah. So I'm an empty nester. Woo-hoo. Uh, married, married
1: 30 years. Uh, I met my wife in BNI. It was the best referral I ever got. Congratulations. Oh man, that's amazing. That's gotta be like one of your pickup lines, right? Or
0: it is, yeah. People people love it. I met her in B and I. We've been married now for 30 years. Forget
1: match.com. Check out BNI. <laughs>
0: that's it. You know, I have met a lot of people who have gotten married because they met in B and I. Oh. And the reason that I think it works is that you're talking about people who who have similar values in terms of givers gain and doing business by helping people. And they meet, and they meet every single week. Uh, there are a lot of B&I babies out there, you know? A lot of husbands and wives I that have gotten that. married. I get, that it's, does it's, not shocking. It's shocker. really cool. It's I really cool. It. So, yeah, it was hard on my my family when I traveled a lot. Um, and, uh, and so, but my wife was awesome, and she kind of knew what she was getting into. And, uh, and I, you know, I did surgical strikes, basically. I went, did what I had to do. I didn't hang out and sightsee In all the years I traveled without my family, there was only one trip I did where I took an extra day and and did some sightseeing, and that was in Israel. I I, I had to see old Jerusalem. And so that's the only time I've ever. Now, when I take my family, and now that my kids are out, my wife goes with me, um, you know, we we do a little sightseeing. Yeah,
1: right. You're already there. Might as well kill two birds. Um, Then I guess. Uh, early on, when you did have the children, though, you think they played a critical role in your success? Because, you know, some people are strictly against kids now. Some, some are still for kids. <laughs> it really, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a big, big thing out there. You think yeah. they played a role in, uh, you know, your developments?
0: Well, I, you know, I don't know that they played a role in my success pro- professionally, mm-hmm. but they certainly played a role in my, what I would consider my well-roundedness as a person. Um, you know, I think raising kids is all, almost harder than running a business. Uh, it's, uh, you know, there aren't too many manuals on raising a child because every child's different. Mm-hmm. I got three kids, they're
1: all different. I can't relate yet. I'm, yeah. I'm not out there yet. So, you know, take your time, take your time, no rush. But did you feel that it excelled your level of, I guess, where you were at business wise? And then when you had the children, like, did it go hand in hand? Yeah, I never thought of it in that context. Um, I, I wanted a family.
0: I married a woman who wanted a family.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and, and so it was just, to me, a natural thing. I never, never, never imagined my life without a family. And so uh, I know people now more and more imagine their life without a family. I got to tell you, it's easier to run a business probably without a family. You have a lot less commitments. Um, you know, I, I didn't want to be, um, one of those dads that was, you know, uh, um, a, a part-time dad. Um, I wanted to be engaged in my family's life. Luckily I had a wife who was, who, who worked, but then when we got married, uh, and we had children, she was a stay-at-home mom. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: She worked a little bit from home, but, um, you know, it, it was, that was easier for me. It would have been a lot harder if she worked full-time.
1: Yeah, I can't. I can't imagine. All I have is a fiance now, and, and that's already like a full time job. So, <laughs> yeah, add kids to it, and uh, I, it'll it blows my mind. I it blows my mind. I give you props, like you know, <laughs> uh, take, your time. take your time, make sure you're ready. That's
0: really important. make sure you think you're ready, because I guarantee you, you won't be ready, no matter
1: what. Right? No matter what, it's or balls. Just, yeah, it's just more than you expect. Speaking of curveballs, what yeah. were some that were thrown your way, you know, throughout this process? I'm sure there were some failures, you know, that got you down, down hard. Yeah. So how long is the show? You know, if there if it, if it were an <laughs> eight hour show, I could give you yes. uh, the highlights. I mean, I'll give you a couple, but look, I believe. At least you're honest with it. Some individuals, some people will be like, you know what? There might've been one or two. There are a few, but.
0: Well, I think there were a few big, big ones. Mm-hmm. Really big ones, but um, God, I, you, make, you start in a business, you make mistakes every day. Oh, yeah. um, so somebody gave me some advice, and I'll tell you a couple of the mistakes I made. Somebody gave me some advice um, once, which I thought was really useful. He said, because um, I was talking about, I got these employees, if I screw up, you know, I got a lot of people's lives, their their livelihoods are, in, mm-hmm. you know, ba- are based on whether I make good decisions or not. And he said to me, he said, Ivan, don't worry about screwing up. You will. It just, it happens. There's just no way you can run a business without making mistakes. So what you want to do is two things. One, be honest about the mistake and two more important than everything, fix it immediately. As soon as you recognize you made a mistake, work on fixing it. If you do those two things, you'll, you'll be okay. And he was right. Um, so I didn't worry about making mistakes. I knew I would. And when I made them, I tried to fix them as quickly as possible. And I was candid with people. That wasn't the right direction. So there were a number of things that I did um, early in my business. One was I set up the company. I set up b and wrong in terms of marketing monies. Mm-hmm. It's a long story, but to make it really short, it was a really dumb mistake the way I set up the marketing funds for the company. And so rather than me just make a decision and deal with the chaos of, of that decision, which would really make a lot of people angry. I ended up doing something that, you know, my crystal ball didn't tell me it would be brilliant, but it was brilliant. I created um, what became the International Board of Advisors for BNI, mm-hmm. and it was the all the it was a group of members who would advise me on member policies. Got it. So I brought them in first as a task force. Hey, I, I did this stupid thing. Here, here's what's going on. It should have been done differently. What do you recommend? And they gave me great advice. But the best thing was they said, you can't go to the chapters and tell them this because they'll hang you, 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 you gotta let us do it. Mm-hmm. We'll go there for you and say, here's what we're doing and here's why. And they won't be as mad at us. I mean, I was like, that's brilliant. And they did and it worked. And the only reason we were able to scale, I mean, there are many reasons it happened over time, but it would have never happened had we not fixed the one problem that I created. And by fixing it, it gave us then the opportunity to scale the company to 9,000 locations around the world.
1: So essentially, it would be like equivalent to a board, right?
0: Well, no, we have a, a formal board, but we have it's an advisory board. It's called the International Board of Advisors for the members. So the International Board of Advisors for BNI creates every member policy mm-hmm. or approves every member policy. So it's only as it relates to the members of the organization or the clients. Um, okay. we, ha- we have a board of directors that
1: manages the company. Okay, so that's separate. Okay, and essentially, and then they're, they're kind of doing, they're putting their face out there instead of yours uh, for somebody's. For some of them, yeah. For that early one, that was the big one. Yeah, it's certain. That was, we didn't have that problem
0: repeat itself too often where they had to put their face out there. But that one, just to see their willingness to do what was necessary to make the company successful made me realize that I needed to make this a permanent Board, not just a task force, and so I made it a permanent board.
1: Was it a paid board then? For- no, volunteer, hundred percent volunteer. And they were so committed.
0: Yeah, they were completely committed. I mean, in the early days, we met every month, and we met at my house, and we met at one of the members' houses. It was, you know, it was like all hands on deck, and mm-hmm. we were just creating something amazing. And you know, it was, it was, you know, basically all you can eat one month, one day a yeah. month. You come and give your opinions. You know, I bought dinner, and. um and, you know, I'd get nice dinners and, and um, we, had, we had amazing talks and they helped me, you know, create the business that, that exists today.
1: So you, you, you treated them right and you, how'd you win them over? You treated them right by fancy dinners? A nice dinner. I wouldn't say fancy. Good food. Good food. Not, you know, it wasn't pizza. <laughs> um,
0: and, and I listened to them and they helped design the organization they wanted.
1: Which is your number one tip, right? Listening. Isn't that kind of what you stress? Yeah, and
0: it's, it, That's a good one. It's a good point. Uh, listening is good. And by the way, I'm, it, I'm not a natural listener. Um, I'm much more a natural doer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, I, I think listening is, is really critical if you want to be a, a great leader. And, you know, I'm always relearning that. I remember when I was 13 years old, uh, my, mom, my mom gave me, and, and I'll read this to you. You're not going to be able to see it. But my, my, my mom gave me this paperweight. It's on my desk to this day. It sits right here. Uh, she gave me this paperweight. I was running for a, city, for a student council. And, and my mom said, son, I love you, but you're a bull in a china shop. You just bull people over. You've got to learn how to listen, how to be diplomatic. And, and the, it says diplomacy, diplomacy is the art of letting someone else have your way. And she said this is about That's collaboration, true. not manipulation diplomacy is the art of letting someone else have your way. She said you got to guide people and coach people, you can't tell people what to do. Otherwise you're going to be button heads all the time. And that was great advice and it's it's a strategy that I try to employ to this day many 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 years later.
1: 50 uh, years later. Yeah, no, that's that's great. And that that's I've heard that before, right? Yeah, it's it's a, it.
0: you know, you can find you can still find this uh, uh um paperweight uh, you know, around the world. It's, it's available in places.
1: No, it's definitely, definitely very deep. And, um, you know, you've, you've definitely been on many, many interviews, you know, over the time you were telling me today, this is already your fifth of the day, yeah. which is, which is extreme. Um, well, so you've been asked so many things. So I'm over here trying to just throw curveballs at you, but it, I'm going to, I'm going to do the, I'm going to go with the easy way out. What has been by far the most like interesting question? Something that you just you didn't even know what to say, or or maybe you just it blew your mind that this was asked at an interview.
0: Oh God, you know, there aren't there aren't many anymore. Uh, there's <laughs> there's a few. Um, I was recently asked one about what would you not want to to talk about or share. And and I took a took a leap of faith and and I and I and I answered it. It was actually not on an interview. Now that I think about it, it was uh, in a live presentation with about
1: one thousand people.
0: And they asked, and I do the you know open mic thing where yeah, like
1: one of the speakers, right? Like
0: I was the keynote, yeah. Okay. And so you know they said, what what's something that you you don't generally share or don't necessarily like to share with people? And I answered the question. So this is the first. This is the first interview I've ever done where I've told this. Yes. Okay, ready?
1: Oh, we're ready.
0: Um, I am signed up as a Virgin Galactic astronaut. What does that even mean? Okay, so you know Richard Branson created Virgin Galactic. Oh, oh, Virgin. Yes, the brand. Okay. The brand, Virgin Galactic. I was one of the first people to sign up for the program as a Virgin Galactic future astronaut so that when they start doing the spaceship, uh, the mothership takes a spaceship uh, up up high and they drop the spaceship and the spaceship goes into suborbital flight. You become an astronaut, a full-on honest-to-goodness astronaut. You get FAA astronaut wings given by the Federal Aviation Administration. Uh, And I signed up years ago. that so when it starts uh flying uh, i'll be one of the first couple of hundred people to go up
1: oh wow that's that now that is cool not every day do you hear that is that what you were uh is that what you talked about when he invited
0: i didn't mention it you know i haven't talked to people about it for i haven't talked to many people about it just because it's you know it's a really big thing and and, yeah you know you don't want to i don't know i just didn't want a negative reaction but um i actually talked to b and i uh you know the the management team there and they're like no share it we're okay so
1: i share it now Now, if anything i never shared it on an interview oh appreciate that you heard it first right here yes dr ivan meister everybody ivanmeister.com here on boss to boss podcast and uh yeah no any any idea of when that might be I know, you know,
0: I would say within a year after they start flying, I'll be, because I was one of the early, I mean, I signed up in 2007. So um, they, I think they might start flying next year. They have moved their manufacturing facilities from Mojave uh, to New Mexico, where in New Mexico, they have the first ever spaceport, not airport, spaceport. It's not attached to an airport; it is a full-on separate spaceport, and Virgin Galactic will be mm-hmm. flying out of there richard Richard's goal is to have more astronauts uh, more Virgin Galactic astronauts than all astronauts combined in the
1: world within a first within a few years because are they technically competing now against like SpaceX? is that kind of
0: well, in some ways they are because they do want to launch uh, some satellites uh, using uh, this this approach, but n- primarily no, because uh, what they're doing really first is space tourism. Whereas SpaceX is really doing, um, you know, satellite and and resupply of uh, space station and and then eventually you know flights to the moon, flights to Mars. That's not where Branson is at the moment. He may have other ideas that he hasn't shared. Right. But th- this is a, a space tourism, which makes sense. I mean, you know, he did Virgin Air, Virgin Atlantic, Virgin America. Uh, so he does a lot of, he has hotels. So this is kind of perfect for his tourism business. And what was the most wild thing
1: you uh, witnessed on his
0: island? So I've been to his island twice. Um, wild, I wouldn't say I witnessed anything wild. I mean, it was, you know, just I guess.
1: Out of the ordinary, you know, just you're like, whoa, <laughs> they, uh, they do things like this <laughs> on earth. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like there had to be something. <laughs> so there was probably
0: a few things. Uh, i tell you that the thing that impressed me most, well, let me think about what was wild because, you know, it was, wasn't anything wild other than great. I mean, just over the top customer service. I feel like something futuristic
1: would be there. I don't know why. No,
0: there wasn't really anything futuristic no. there. To speak of it really wasn't it was it was about having um you know i went there twice once uh, a seminar was involved the second time it was it was just a future astronauts who were there and so it was you know it was just hanging out with branson and and enjoying life and enjoying the island and uh, amazing beautiful views uh, the one thing that i that stands out in my mind as incredible was branson's ability to connect with people personally Uh, at all levels of an organization, not just, you know, not just the really successful people that were on his island, but his staff, his staff love him. His staff love him when he's not on the island. You know, that's when you ask somebody, so how's Richard really to work for? And they absolutely love him. And I watched him one day as he was, um, the last day on the first visit, he, that not, well, it was it. Was the last night of the first visit there. He said, "Hey, I got. I just bought the island next door, Mosquito. Not mosquito, but Mosquito. It's a Caribbean phrase, uh, Mosquito Island. And uh, I need to go check it out tomorrow morning. Anybody want to go?" And I remember sitting there in the great room, going, "I'll go. Yeah, I'd like to go." So, wow. so we take this tour. And there's only like six or seven of us, mm-hmm. and we take this tour of the island. And here's what really stood out to me. At the end of the tour, he stopped because there were two guys with sledgehammers knocking down a house with a sledgehammer. It was the only building on the island, completely wild, except for this one small wood frame house. Now, I don't know if you've ever used a sledgehammer. It's not easy knocking down a wall. They're knocking down the entire house. And I was so impressed because he said, hey, give me a second, guys. And he walked on over to the two men who were knocking down the wall, and he shook the hands of, of the first guy who was the foreman, and then he went to the second guy we'd never met and he reaches out his hand and he says hi i'm richard uh i know this is really hard work now he's talking to the equivalent of a minimum wage virgin islands employee Mm -hmm. branson's a billionaire he's talking to this minimum wage like employee and he says i know this is really hard work but let me tell you why it's so important i have a lot of plans for this island." I wanna build homes up on the top of that hill. We're gonna build a little community center right here. We're gonna have, a, we're going to have a, a tennis courts over here. So we can't do any of that stuff until his house comes down. Because when the house comes down, this is gonna be the clearing area, the working area, so that we can start to dredge out the, the little bay mm-hmm. and bring in bigger equipment and then build all of this. But we can't do any of that until the house is down. And so although it just looks like you're knocking down a house, I can't do anything until you do this. And so I appreciate the hard work. That was it. What did it take? A minute? What I loved about that was here's a guy who's a billionaire who's willing to spend a minute telling an employee that he may never ever see again here's why you're doing this job and this is why it's so important. And I, just, I thought that was amazing. And so the most amazing thing I saw on the island was his, his personality his ability to interact effectively as a great leader.
1: I'm sure that, I'm sure that stuck with you since oh, then. Oh uh, yeah.
0: I thought I was good at connecting with people. I, he schooled me. He's, he took me to school on how, how you connect with all, people at all levels of an organization. I remember one time I went to a Virgin Galactic party. It was the first big party for Virgin Galactic and it was in, in, in Hollywood Hills, up on a mountain, beautiful place. And we, Richard came in, he came in a few minutes late after the party started. Of course, he walks through the door, everybody's like, ooh, Richard, Richard. So he's walking up and he sees these two maids, these two Hispanic maids kind of leaning up against the wall. And they're like, it's Richard Branson. And he stops and all these people, gazillionaires, you know, all these people that are right there. He stops, and he turns to them and I was close enough to hear him again, he said, Ladies, thanks so much for you know helping put this party together. Um, just a real important party to me. This is the first event we've done for Virgin Galactic, and so I appreciate your efforts. And thanked them and turned and walked towards us. He again, he didn't have to do that. He looks for the little man, the little person, the, the every person in an audience, and he and he connects with them.
1: And it's yeah, it's not the first time. I, I I've definitely heard something like that before. I don't know yeah. if this was in a book or where. Speaking of book, uh, your your last uh, bestseller, Who's in Your Room? Yeah, um, is a book that you uh you've written, and there's been quite quite another uh, quite a few uh, other books as well. Yeah. Um, how How do you feel how are you is there anything new you're working on as well currently oh yeah
0: i'm working on a number of books who's in your room is is about creating your best life and how do you create that best life and the fact that you, you know uh, imagine that you live your life in one room and that one room has only one door and that one door is an enter only door so when people come into your life they're there forever and it talks about how you should be more selective about the people that you let into your life because um, the truth is they may be, you may get them out of your life, but they're still in your head. And if they're still in your head, they're still in your room. So the whole book is about how do you get better at screening people into your life or into your room? And, uh, it's the first self help book I've done. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, uh, and it's done really well. And I love the concept. I wish I had the book when I was 17. I wish somebody else wrote the book when right. I was 17. Because although I feel like I made good decisions, I could have made better decisions about the people that I let into my life. And that's what this book is about. It's, it's, it's a great book. It's not about networking. Although it's all about networking and that networking is about building relationships. So although we don't talk about networking, uh, it is about relationship building, which is related to networking.
1: Which is well, sort of like the backbone of everything we do.
0: It really is. It really is. It's about the social capital and emotional intelligence. And all of that's very important for networking. So yeah, I usually have two or three books at a time going. I've awesome. got
1: several in the works. Is there is there any sneak preview of anything? Uh, yeah, I'll give you
0: yeah. a sneak preview of one. I, I probably take another year and a half before it's out, but it's called the third paradigm. Uh, the first paradigm was competition. The first paradigm of entrepreneurship was comp- competition. It was the late 1800s, early 1900s, scientific management, Frederick Taylor, the Galbraiths, Gantt, they all talk about competition and production and yep, yep. You know, how you beat your competition. The second paradigm was collaboration, cooperation. That was uh, people like um, uh, Frederick Taylor, uh, I'm mean, sorry, uh, Fr- uh, Frederick, um, I think it was uh, Douglas, uh, who did um, Theory X, Theory Y. Okay. and. And he talked about how, yeah, there's this importance of production, but there's also this importance of people. And the people are an integral part of doing business and learning how to work with your employees and not just use them as a tool of production is really important. Now, that sounds obvious today in the 2000s. It wasn't obvious in the 60s. No. I studied under Warren Bennis, who's in his day one of the world's leading experts on leadership, and he, he worked with uh, uh, Douglas. And, and he said they got bomb threats for promoting communism through Theory X, Theory Y, which is crazy today. Yeah. It's like really communism? No, it's about taking care of people. So the okay. second, the second paradigm was collaboration and cooperation. The third paradigm is the paradigm that we are entering, uh, and that's about co-creation. It's it's collaboration on steroids. It's you know the internet has shown what co-creation can be through crowdsourcing oh yeah crowdsourcing is co-creation but bni was decades ahead of its time because we crowdsourced bni one of our first stories was the international board of advisors i had them create the policies that's crowdsourcing that's co-creation and I believe the future of entrepreneurism is in co-creation, working with your clients to co-create
1: products, working with other people to co-create products and services. Do you ever think that we're going to like hit a, hit a wall? That like there's just going to be so many different ideas and so many different people and collaboration? I don't know. I always get these wild thoughts and I'm just like, when does it end? Or will it always get?
0: It's possible. I, you know, I know that sometimes, sometimes I have felt that I've created my, collaborative, my own collaborative hell, because, you know, I have so many collaborative bodies trying to manage it all as, you know, like herding cats. Yeah. So it's a skill. And it's a skill that we're going to talk about in this book. You know, how do you co-create and maintain your sanity? Because it's, um, it's a lot of work to work with other people. You know, if you just made decisions, nope, this is the way we're going to do it. It'd be in some ways easier, but I would argue not as effective because we're living in a world today where people expect to have input. And to be part of the answer, so I think it's a necessary part of the future of management. It's messy, it's ugly, it's difficult, but necessary.
1: Yes, it is. Yes, it is. No, I love it. Thanks for uh, thanks for sharing that. And we'll definitely be. Uh, yeah, we're probably a year
0: and a half away from having a book.
1: Awesome. Well, now, now uh, after after some great contents. We are still moving on to our listeners' favorite segment of the show. Welcome to the round with no name because they're all taken. Yes, yes. Okay. There, there, there could be more. You thought you heard enough because uh, there, there's, there's. Well, you, you so, you've, there's you've been pulled so much, a lot out of me, Yeah, shares. So, there's been nice so job. much great content. I uh, I had to exceed our uh, time allotment. So, but you know, we're, we got to keep going. We have to. And I'm good. I'm good. I, I've got to I've got some time. <laughs> My producer uh, Steve Wiley. Uh, he, he likes to kind of be in control of this round. He's not here at the moment, but he's roaming in the background. He gives us five seconds. Five seconds oh, to just five init- seconds, okay. to initiate an answer. Don't want you thinking too much. Just want you to pop it out. Okay, uh, that's scary. Otherwise, yeah, no. Uh, don't worry. You don't have to deal with him. I do. Okay. So otherwise, uh, he comes out and, you know, uh, uh, I'd rather not get into it. <laughs> but without further ado. What is your favorite book?
0: Um, I, yeah, picking one is difficult. I'd say Success Principles by Jack Canfield and The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership by um, uh, John C. Maxwell, both outstanding books I'd recommend to people.
1: Solid, solid. What is your favorite movie?
0: Uh, it would be Lawrence
1: of Arabia. Favorite podcast? I... yes boss to boss (laughs) um who has been or is your greatest mentor so i've had many mentors in my life but i would say my
0: first the first person in my life that i really truly felt was a mentor besides my parents were who were mentors would be a high school advisor that i had who kept saying to me i know this is more than five seconds but he kept saying to me why not when I, when I said to myself, I why can't do that. And he would say, Why not? Why can't you do that? I was like, well, I don't know. He said, Well, you got to think about that because I think you can. And he just, he just nudged me and nudged me. Didn't that little bit me. at that moment, right? Yeah, he gave me the, this, the, the, the feeling that I was capable. He was a great advisor. Loved that guy. Mr. Rogers was his name.
1: It's crazy how it goes back. You've met all these people since, but it goes back. Yeah. So- that time in high school
0: yeah i dedicated one of my books
1: to him and uh if you're stranded on an island what is the one item you want with you it can't be a person
0: oh but yeah it can't be a person it would take my (laughs) i take my wife for sure um one thing yeah well uh, i would take
1: reading material would you just like Go with the Kindle so you got the unlimited amount. I'd go
0: with a Kindle with as many books loaded onto it as possible (laughs) and a solar panel that I could
1: recharge the Kindle with. Good. See, nobody brings up the solar panel, but you need something, right? I mean you're stranded there for the foreseeable future. Unforeseeable.
0: I got a little generator here at the house that's a solar panel. I would take that and my Kindle and I'm good to go.
1: Now we're talking. Yeah. If you had an unlimited amount of money and you could start up any business you wanted, but it can't be your own, what would it be? Well, I just started up a business that I'm not the
0: front person for um, a, a game programming company. Hmm. I mean, like literally three weeks ago. Oh, wow. It's my son's business. I'm a partner. Uh, I'm, the, I'm the venture capitalist. Um, and, I th- and, and I love what he's doing because he's doing something a little bit different. Uh, the name of the company is Synatria. Uh, the SYN is for Synapsis. Mm-hmm. Games that make you think, and Atria is from the heart. games that make you think from the heart That's a catchy name too. It is an awesome name. It's, he came up with that's it good that's good. Uh, and you can go to sinatria.com Better yet you can go to patreon and be a patron of <laughs> Sinatria, which is a crowdsourcing thing and uh, be a patron. one of the cool things that he did was if you're a patron on patreon I think it's P A T R, E O oh,
1: N, yeah,
0: yeah. So I, well, here, let me tell you. It's um, p a t r e o n dot com and yep. for Sinatria. Uh, what, one of the great things he did was he did this thing with them. Um, if you are, that's right, Sinatria Studios. Yeah, Sinatria Studios. If you're a patron uh, at the fifteen dollar a month level, your name, you're you're given a credit in the next game he does.
1: Oh, sweet. So you can get. Yeah, I think it's awesome. You know, how do you uh, they run the credits of the game? Your name is there. How, how many credits to, uh, to become like a stockholder or something?
0: <laughs> well, I don't know. Uh, you know, be a patron for a while and we'll talk.
1: <laughs> no, just, just throw it messing with you. Uh, and then, how do you, how do you, you know, moving on to some more serious questions here? How do you drink your coffee?
0: I don't. I don't drink coffee, never have. Why is that? Uh, I just never acquired the taste, uh, much to my father's chagrin. He loved coffee. Um, but I, I, I drink tea, usually, uh, you know, something like Earl Grey, something with a lot of
1: caffeine kick. So you still get the caffeine, just a different way? Through tea, yeah. Got it, got it. And is there one item every day that you consume, or maybe it's something that you wear, but it's something that makes oh. you, you need it every day?
0: Need I wouldn't, I didn't give a
1: different answer. I guess you yeah. don't need it, Enjoy but it's it. like,
0: yeah. Enjoy it. It would be a good Cabernet Sauvignon. Uh, my wife and I, we have what we call wine o'clock. And at wine o'clock every day, which is a slightly different time, depending on the time of year we go up, we have a, we have a, um, uh, a tower mm-hmm. attached to our house. We go up to what amounts to the fourth floor, which is the top of the tower. And we look over, we got about 10 acres uh, in Lake Austin. And we just watch the deer, the animals that walk by. And uh, we sit there and talk, uh, we have wine o'clock almost every day. And um, I, I, I don't think I could, I don't, I wouldn't want to live without that because it's awesome time with my spouse, drinking something that I love. Uh, I've got a really nice wine cellar, so I pick some pretty good wines.
1: I love that. So do you like, um, so you do? You just have? So you have one every day at some point in time, like you, it's kind of whenever if you're there, obviously, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. We we try to do it almost every day. You know, when it's brutally hot like it is now, we don't necessarily go outside. Austin's very hot in August, yeah. but um, but yeah, we we try to go out uh, just about every day and have some have some of my wine from my wine cellar. I'm I'm actually working on here's so here's something else. I don't think I've said on a on a show. I'm working on a sommelier certificate a sommelier which is a
1: wine expert
0: uh, for no good reason other than I want it because you know most sommeliers just to prove, it
1: just, to prove it just like you're a karate right
0: yeah just because I want to do it um, and because I don't work at a hotel I don't work at a restaurant I don't I, I don't I, that's awesome I don't do it professionally but I want to to have that credential just because I love wine and so I'm working on a sommelier certificate.
1: and those are the things that keep us young right yeah, keep us interested do,
0: in life. Keep
1: the brain keep the brain going, thinking,
0: yeah.
1: and learning, learning the insides and outs of things you enjoy and like doing. That's
0: right. You know, I believe in lifelong learning. Uh, you know, I, there's, you know, it's interesting. They call a PhD a terminal degree. That's your last degree. That's what it's known as in academia. And I don't think there is such a thing as a as terminal learning. Right. I believe in lifelong learning. And, um, and so I just do, do it in other ways other than in university now.
1: How do you feel about entrepreneurism? Is it a fad?
0: No, clearly it's not a fad. It's, um, you know, I, I think particularly if you're talking about small business, small businesses, um, uh, you know, if you look at the Small Business Administration, 60, almost 62% of all new net jobs. Uh, in 2016 came from small business or entrepreneurs. Um, uh, small business created almost 2 million jobs around that same time timeframe. Uh, I believe it represented in around 2000 and you now maybe five years ago, the data I saw is that it represented about 48% of the GDP of this country, of the United States.
1: Small business.
0: 48% of the GDP came from small business. So I, that's not a fan.
1: And last but not least, how serious would you take me if we had a business meeting right now in person and I walked in with socks and sandals?
0: Well, it depends on what the business meeting was. Context is important. So if you were, you know, if you, we were having a business meeting with the game programming company, I would expect you in nothing but a t-shirt and sandals and, and that's, that's, um That's relevant to the context of the business. If you were a CPA or if you were an insurance agent and you came in with sandals Mm -hmm. and a t-shirt, I wouldn't be impressed.
1: Got it. Okay. No, noted, noted. It's all about context. (laughs) All right. Well, you survived. I survived. No one came by. Steve Wiley did not come out. My producer is, is, is away. So that's good. And uh, yeah, hopefully they got your uh, blood flowing a little, got you some, uh, awake a little bit.
0: You got me going on a lot of different topics. Would you like one last recommendation for business people?
1: Yeah. You know, the mic is yours, uh, Dr. Ivan Meissner, or as you like to just uh, like, to, like for me to say, just Ivan. Uh, it's been a pleasure having yeah. you on, IvanMeissner.com, BNI, uh, BNI.com. Check check them out. Um, it's it's a group that you want to be involved in. I'm involved. It's uh it's, it's a chapter. It's a community where businesses thrive. It's a community. That's a great way of putting
0: it. All right. You want my last suggestion for small yeah, businesses? Mike is yours. You want to be successful in business? Do six things a thousand times. Not a thousand things six times. I think it's the biggest mistake I see businesses make. They do a thousand things six times. They're always chasing bright, shiny objects. Mm-hmm. Instead of taking advice from podcasts or interviews like this people you trust your mentors the books you read where you know what it takes to be successful you take those things (laughs) those handful of things by the way it doesn't have to be six it could be five it could be seven you take those handful of things and you do it one thousand times you do it over and over and over again and that's the way you build a successful business not by doing a thousand things six times
1: hopefully that sticks Uh, yes mic drop me. mic drop boom that's that's perfect I can't top that
0: thank you
1: alright it's been a pleasure having you on I'm definitely looking forward to uh, connecting in the future and see what's next my pleasure anytime happy to do it that is all for this episode of Boss to Boss your next step is to visit com, where you will find proven techniques followed by professionals to help you make that next step Again that is boss. The number 2 boss.com and remember the time is now.